See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Snap is back to Hoyer, throwing open. Howard Bridge, a tackle, 15-10, five, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. A team that is known as... Play fake, Cutler sidestep to the pocket, avoiding pressure, now winds up throwing deep down the right side, going for Jeffrey, he makes the catch inside the 10-yard line, down near the 5, throw it up and get it, Jeffrey did, Jeffrey outleaps him 49 yards. Bears Hour Live, with Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Philitoshin. With me, as always, are the super fans. I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> Hello, Bears fans. This is Bears Hour Live, coming to you live from Mobile, Alabama, the, the host of the Senior Bowl. My name is Lauren Cox, and I want to apologize off the get-go for the background noise, but I am in the first floor of the Renaissance Riverside Riverview Hotel, where the most of the Senior Bowl non-practice uh, festivities are being held, and uh, one floor above me, pretty much exactly right above me, there are millions of dollars worth of scouts and coaches and even a couple of general managers up there talking to Senior Bowl prospects, getting those one-on-one interviews. I, I was sitting next to a Baltimore Ravens guy earlier who was asking a guy about some uh, drug tests he had failed in college and getting the details on that, so it's really, I'm, I'm really I'm immersed around here and hopefully we keep the uh, the background noise to a li- uh, to a, a minimum here, but there's no guarantees on that. We might end up getting somebody walking by being a little bit loud, but hopefully for the most part we'll be able to just talk uh, senior bowl prospects uh, at uh, hopefully a, a normal volume here. And, and with me, as always, of course, is Phil Atoshin, who is not in Mobile, Alabama, but he has uh, spent a lot of time looking at the tape, a lot of these senior bowl prospects. And Phil, uh, which guy down here are, are you most interested in hearing an update about it. Who, who had caught your eye that you're hoping to, to get a little bit of an update from? Well, it's tough because the guy that I really thought was going to have a huge week ended up getting hurt, Lauren. That's Forrest Lamp. And unfortunately, he's going to be out. You know, the quarterback situation up there, and we're going to get into that, Lauren, is less than stellar. So when you look at the first round and Bear kind of fits, the guy I really want you to talk about, I guess, is a guy that you and I have talked about for the last two years, and I think there's some real showcase there from where I'm sitting and watching the practices from the NFL Network is is warmly out of Michigan. I just see that five technique being an intricate part of this defense moving forward across from Hicks, Eddie Goldman. Talk about what you're seeing in that young man because from what I've seen – he not only looks the part, but he really showcases it out on the football field. Yeah, you know, at, at Michigan, they like to play him a lot outside on the edge, and they, they really did rotate him around, but for the most part, he kind of played the six technique where they'd have him lined up directly over the tight end. But, you know, down here, he's really produced exactly kind of what you thought saw on tape. Really has some nice heavy hands. You know, when he's going through the bag drills and stuff, you can hear him pop it, and you can hear, you can really, even from up in the up in the bleachers of the Lad People Stadium where the practices take place you know even with coaches yelling you can hear, still hear that pop oh well you know warmly is doing the drill now because it just kind of grabs your attention a little bit <laughs> you know when they do the the one-on-one pass rushing drills it's, it's obviously pretty well set up for offensive linemen to fail they're really put into a pretty difficult situation while the, dif- the while the pass rusher has you know tons and tons of space to work with but 
he really does look impressive in that. And you know, you can't put too much, uh, too much prop. You know, can't give him too many props for that because it's it is easier. But you do want to make sure it's, it's more check in the box, and you see a guy like that dominate really kind of get under a tackle's pads, especially if he's a guy that doesn't sink very low in his, in his, uh, in his set. And, and certainly Wormley's very good at getting his hands in, inside, pushing the guy back, and then kind of pulling him forward and swimming around. That's one thing that really impressed me about him is some guys have that sort of veteran savvy to, to get away with what would probably be flagged as defensive holding where they'll grab the middle of the guy's jersey and sort of pull him back towards the line of scrimmage as he swims around him. And he's definitely very good at, at getting away with that down here. Yeah, he looks looks the part. I, you know, I've talked to Lauren about this guy, and I, I really feel like his best position, and I've tweeted it out earlier this season, is inside at that five technique, where he can hammer toss and and use those heavy hands, those interior offensive linemen. I, I don't think he's a 4-3 defensive end. I think he's a five technique that gets up the field. He can rush the passer, Lauren. You know, you get to see him there one-on-one individuals uh, without commercial breaks. Is he showcasing? I don't know the game will start, but is he showcasing that ability there? Yeah, I think you're definitely seeing some of it, but it it did kind of confirm what you see on tape where he's not – I don't want to say he's not explosive because there's definitely some explosiveness off the snap, but he's not a guy that's going to beat you with a bunch of speed. You know, they they had him work not you know both five tech and I think a little bit of three tech and some seven too in, in those one on one pass rushing drills. And you know he's not going to blow around you know just blow by anybody. But he, what he is going to do is kind of stack him up and and shed one way or another. And he's got kind of a variety of moves he can do with that. You know, he's not just a rip guy. He's not just a swim guy. He can. He, he seemed to be able to do a couple of things. I even saw him pull off a nice swim move, swim move against a guard one-on-one at one point. So, you know, he he's definitely is a guy that I think is is kind of quietly rising. You know, a lot of these defensive linemen, if they're not, you know, the big nose tackle that swarms in and, and touches the running back in the backfield, they don't get a lot of, you know, a lot of praise and a lot of credit. But it, it, kind of like the five technique in, in any 3-4 defense, they're, they're the guys that end up being sort of the unsung heroes. You know, they set a little bit of an edge on a, on a tackle. You know, they're not the, the edge-edge guy that puts the tight end down in the backfield, but they, you know, they redirect running backs to the interior. They, they open up the space for the linebackers around them to come down and make the play on the running back, and I think that's what we're seeing him do so far down in Mobile. Well, here's an opportunity. John Fox and staff, they have the North football team. The Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson have the South football team. When you look at these both rosters, I know you focused in a lot on the North, but you've been there. So for me, watching practice and getting an, a, a microscope kind of look at the way John Fox and staff, they didn't have a very good season. <laughs> Let's be honest. They're on thin ice. But now you see them in comparison with the Browns and how they're handling practice. Is there a big feel there, and is there a lot of talk in the stands, so to speak, amongst NFL people of what a difference the two staffs take on when they're coaching out there, these young players? Yeah, I haven't heard a ton specifically from NFL scouts and coaches, but a lot of the media people I, I've talked to, and you know, not even just the guys on Twitter, but you know, the Mike Mayocks of the world, the you know, the NFL Network, the ESPN guys, and even some other you know more like smaller ESPN outlets, everyone can tell the difference in, in, in I don't know if intensity is the right word, because I think there's some, depending on how you want to code the language for this, there's there's different ways of describing the, the main difference, but 
the Cleveland Browns practice definitely has a bit more energy to it, and it's very it seems more productive. You know, the Bears they spend a lot of time stretching. They do a lot of these kind of. I know Brian Perez from Draft Breakdown in the Bears Wire. He likes to likes to call it they're doing yoga out on the field, and that, that is kind of what it looks like. They get in their lines. <laughs> they spend a good forty minutes of of stretching and practicing. I mean, this is a this is a two hour practice time, and and they they really don't seem to be maximizing the most of in their time. And I get the impression that with the Bears, they're not as interested in what they're doing in the drills. They're more interested in just kind of getting to know these guys and, and trying to see. And, and there is value in, in watching those stretching things. I think people like to take that for granted, but I'm, I'm sure, I know, I know if I was running the coaching staff, I don't know if, if the Bears are doing this, but I'm going back and I'm looking which guys are doing the stretch exactly how they're supposed to, which guys are kind of slacking, you know, not quite really taking full advantage, which guys are, you know, doing their push-ups all the way to the ground and which guys are just kind of loafing it because you can really kind of pick up the little work ethic things for the guys that know that all eyes are on them at all times and, and you know, everyone's going to be watching what they're doing. But when, when the Browns practice, you know, they do their stretches, but they seem to do they, they seem to get very quickly into, you know, their one-on-one drills, their seven-on-sevens, their nine-on-sevens, and, in, and then their 11-on-elevens. And there's just much more time of, of what we call productive, and these productive for us on the outside, productive practicing. The Bears do a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of just – you know, the, all 11 guys on the offense line up with no one on defense, and they just simulate the outside zone handoff. And same thing on the defense. Just everyone, let's go from your pre-snap stance to cover three. And just, you know, just, and, and, and maybe they feel like the guys that they have out there just aren't getting it, and they have to do this. But it, it's really unfortunate that we're not getting more opportunities to see some of these really talented guys on their team, you know, get in these more live practice situations. And, and, and part of that, too, it is pretty clear from the talent on both rosters here that the Browns are the more talented senior bowl team down here. The Browns have decent quarterbacks, and it's hard to say the same for the Bears roster. The Browns, you know, they might not have quite the names in the secondary as the Bears do, but they've got a pretty talented group all around, and you can see some more of the deficiencies in the Bears roster. I think when the final outcome of the game is all said and done, that'll probably be reflected in the score, even though that doesn't really matter that much. But definitely feels like the players and the Browns have a little bit more overall talent. So are you telling me John Fox and staff are going to be 0 for 9 on the road this year? <laughs> it, it sure does look like it. And, you know, we, we've been joking all the, the whole time down here about, you know, oh, you know, first day for like when they were doing all that stretching, it's like, you know, the Bears are still going to have injured players. And first day, uh, Ryan Anderson goes down and, and dislocates his thumb, I think it was, and 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 the next day too, and on Ryan Anderson was on the south. There was there was a player on the Bears on the North roster that just got nicked up in that, and then ended up coming back out there. And then today too, the Syracuse wide receiver Amba Etatau, uh, the Jaguar scout next to me thought he dislocated his, his finger, but they kind of popped it back in and, and wrapped it up a little bit and got him back out there. But we're we're already seeing a few guys go down with these nicks and bruises, and it's it's hard not to make the jokes. I mean, certainly it's not it's not the Bears' fault. They're not around these guys enough to have done anything to prevent injuries, but it is. It's kind of funny how that, that continues to haunt this team. And same thing with some drops, too, today. Trent Taylor was dropping some balls, and uh, Amba Atatawu and Jalen Robinette from Air Force were doing the same kind of thing, too. It's just like, man, it's like, it's like watching Bears practice out here sometimes. <laughs> well, the Bears are coaching it. And speaking of dropping the ball, one guy that continues to impress me is somebody that I think that the Bears could be eyeballing. I mean, you look at Alshon Jeffrey, uh, I obviously believe – it's a must-re-sign, Lauren. Can't let that guy walk. I don't care if you have to invest another franchise tag and pay the extra $3 million on top of that. How this team went down and played 
incorporating the drops throughout the season and the inability to move the football. If the first round is a quarterback and, you know, this draft has a lot of defensive back talent, but on the offensive side of the ball, how you how Ryan Pace attacks free agency is going to tell the story of the draft. That's why basically all these mocks don't mean anything and what have you, because let's face it, you fill needs. That's what it ultimately does. And, and when you're three and 13 and you need talent in the defensive backfield, you need a wide receiver, you need a quarterback, all these needs at, you don't have enough shots in the draft to fill them. So free agency is an opportunity to get it. I look at a guy who's catching the football. Is this, talk about my guy Is this guy a long way here. to get to Cooper, I, to Cooper Cup? Cup. To Cooper Cup. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was looking at my watch. I'm like, okay. Hey, I'm about. trying to fill up. I'm trying to fill up the whole cup, Lauren. You can't just half cup this. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't have enough in your cup. You know, you keep refilling when you're at Burger King, I guess, in Wisconsin. So I'm looking at Cooper <laughs> Cup as a guy that reminds me of a young Jordy Nelson. I was laughed out of the building when I thought this kid from Kansas State would be a first-round pick for the Bears and would be somebody that could really do what the Bears hadn't done and have a, a deep threat, big play football player who could take it to the end zone and not – jump, catch, and fall down. Here's a guy that I feel as though is showing up. You know, I don't know. I don't believe he's a first-round receiver, but I believe in the second round, this guy is somebody that, you know, every check mark that I want a receiver to have, hands, uh, ability to get the leverage and, and be full speed at the stem, the ability to understand his next move before he has to make it. Cooper Cup has that. And that's not because of a skin complexion at all. I don't do that. But he reminds me of Jordy Nelson and his ability to separate at the level of the fade, the nine, the nine route. He gains separation when you're even. He's leaving. And I just like what I see from him. He finishes his routes and corrals the football. Are you feeling the same thing? And I know there must be a buzz about him. I see it on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely definitely buzz about him down here. You know, they didn't give him a ton of, of you know, nine rods to, to really demonstrate that separation to me. So today, I, I almost thought he was almost like a, a slower, less explosive Amari Cooper. The same last name. I didn't, didn't even put two and two together. But the way that he's able to just shake guys and runs those routes so crisp and smoothly and just knows – exactly what he's doing and you know a, a poor man's Amari Cooper I mean he's certainly not going to be in that top 15 conversation like Amari Cooper was but yeah definitely a really big fan of what Cooper Cup was able to do or Cup Cooper Cup wait Cooper Cup right yeah yeah, yeah the, the, Cooper the, Cup the, I, Amari Cooper's Cup yeah the, for, the funny thing is I, I actually ended up you getting my right. hands on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, laminated roster card and they have the first name and last name column flipped so i looked up and i was like last name cooper and it was throwing me off there for a second but yeah cooper cup um definitely like, like i said he he pretty much shook every cornerback he went up against although i they, they tended to keep him on uh, uh brendan langley the lamar the lamar corner for, for, the, for the most part in the north roster they they seem to like 
getting the same corner and the same receiver or even a couple of the safeties did those drills too matched up on each other for rep after rep so like uh, you know a short guy like Trent Taylor from Louisiana Tech he's only only weighted or measured in at five seven and a half he was matched up with Arian Penton the Missouri corner who's five nine and you, you know they, they didn't necessarily flip those guys around you know they kind of liked having the same matchup over and over again to see how those guys would battle so for the most part it was uh Cooper or Cup Cooper Cup versus Brandon Langley from Lamar and that was uh you know Lamar uh, Brandon Langley He's got good feet, and he, he did his darndest, but it was just really – it was impossible for him to cover Cooper Cup. And there were a lot of those plays where you can't even ask your cornerback to do anything differently. It was just a nice play, you know, especially, you know, a couple, a couple times they had him do a thing where he'd, you know, he'd start breaking to the, break to the outside and then do a double move to keep going, like a stop and go. And then he would stop later, later like 20 yards down and come back on the, towards the sideline. And it was just, you know, you, you, Brandon Langley's doing everything in his power to be right on his hip pocket, but – the separation that he's able to get from that route running is just unreal, and I think he's a guy that's going to make a team very, very happy in the draft, like like you've been pointing out for a while now. Yeah, you look at that North offense. Let's stay there. Talk a little bit about the quarterbacks. I know you touched upon it briefly. Clearly, Chicago Bears, uh, in their end-of-the-year presser, talking anytime agents are spoken about, that means... There's business to be had and and discussions to be had, whether it be a contract extension. But I think in Jay Cutler's case, they're turning the page. So clearly, the Bears are in the market for a quarterback. Now, the North roster, the South roster, you're looking at those quarterbacks very closely there. I know they're hyping up Nate Peterman. Talk about what you're seeing over there as the quarterbacks I happen to think I think we're on the same page here the kid from Tennessee for me has been the most impressive talk about what you're seeing yeah you know it's it's almost a shame the quarterback play that we see on the north roster that the Bears are coaching I mean they were doing you know just having the quarterback toss it to the receiver around a little five yard in route I mean it's literally five yards and Cephal Leofau the Colorado quarterback put three in a row over the receiver's head I mean, this is not a difficult pass. This is a routine five-yard in route just right over the middle of the field and just absolutely throwing it over. And same thing with C.J. Beathard. He threw any kind of outbreaking ball to the sidelines, went up towards the stands and into the arms of some coaches standing on the sideline. He really could not consistently drive the ball to the outside. And, and that kind of left Peterman as the tallest midget, as you like to say, you know, standing up for your, your uh, vertically challenged brothers. But you know, I, I wouldn't say that Peterman, you know, blew anybody out of the water. I mean, the, the guy who, you know, he's no Carson Wentz from last year where it was very clear that, okay, this guy is going to be a very good quarterback. And even, like, a guy like Dak Prescott last year, I was I was obviously not here, but he wasn't a guy that, you know, lit it up by any means. It wasn't He didn't have a bad week, but he didn't. It was Carson Wentz's show and, and kind of put everyone else in the shadow. And I kind of feel like Peterman's, you know he's getting the hype because of what he's being compared to but he's still a little bit inconsistent for me and you know his placement has been good enough but he's certainly not I I wouldn't say he's killing it by any means Um, but same thing with the south roster a little bit the kid Antonio Pipkin from Tiflin he's made a couple nice throws but he's kind of hit and miss too and his footwork is is really sloppy at times and he doesn't seem to necessarily fully step into some throws and you see it directly affect his accuracy but Josh Dobbs from Tennessee like you said I, I I didn't realize how much of a, a genius this kid is supposed to be. Apparently he's a aerospace engineering major, so he's yeah. literally a rocket scientist. And 
I, I think he, you know, was ready to graduate early and had a really <laughs> high GPA. And I mean, everything I'm hearing about this kid is that he is just an absolute genius. And I talked to him a little bit, not, you know, nothing in depth. And you can kind of tell he, the way he carries himself. He's not a conf- I mean, he's not a cocky guy. He's confident, but he's not. He's not a. Oh yeah, I'm Josh Dobbs. I'm the best quarterback down here. But he's he's kind of that calm, collected, smart, you know, polite. Really, really understands why he's here and you know wh- exactly what he needs to say. He's not hesitating. He's not like thinking about. It. He's just like you know, I'm I'm Josh Dobbs. I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of a genius, but I'm just doing my best out here trying to impress coaches. And he has gotten quite a bit of attention from coaches uh, after practice. So. You know, I, th- I think what you're going to be hearing from draft Twitter for a while all week is going to be the Peterman versus Dobbs for the best quarterback. And I think, you know, after tomorrow's practice, we might have a little bit of a better idea for that. But early on for me, Dobbs has been the, the more superior guy. But again, that does not to say that Dobbs is playing himself up into a high draft pick. But I means I still think he's a day three guy, but he's definitely been, in my opinion, the best of the six guys down here. Well, staying on offense, Lauren, the offensive tackle Obviously, you know where I stand on that. I think the Bears have alluded to this, the best five. I think you and I have watched enough tape to actually have a moment of silence for Dave Magazoo since he's no longer here and there's no more backstep on a zone play. Lauren is telling me that Coach um, Washburn, <laughs> there's a miracle going on as the new as Coach Washburn has taken over and he's teaching offensive linemen to step forward on zone scheme, which is great news for me because there's nothing more frustrating than watching that. But when you look at the offensive linemen there, Lauren, especially the offensive tackle position, obviously a plan should be in place to move Kyle Long to, to offensive tackle and left tackle. Uh, credit Jose Cotto for texting me and talking to me today about the fact that I didn't even know this. I forgot it. I didn't. I blocked it out that Kyle Long's actually a lefty. <laughs> I didn't even know this. So yeah, whoops. the natural transgression there with the athleticism, the strength, the mentality, and everything you need is right there on your roster to help protect a young quarterback Obviously, that's the direction they're going unless they're going to make a, a trade to get a Garoppolo, a McCarron, and please stab me in the eyeball if you're even talking about Glennon from Tampa Bay because that would be just disgusting. But the reality for me here, looking at those offensive tackles there, there any prospects? I have one of the sleepers that surprised me today, this kid Moten from uh, Western Michigan as somebody to look at. But other than that, my boy, who I believe, Forrest Lamp, you leave at offensive tackle. I believe he can do it. I agree. Six foot four is not far off, and he's athletic and powerful enough to do it. I don't think you need to move this guy inside. He has the mentality and the strengths to do it too. So – Talk about the offensive tackles there, Lauren, that you're seeing. Yeah, you know, uh, offensive line is another one of those positions that I think the Browns and the South roster got a little bit of a better, uh, a little bit of a better talent pool there. I mean, I think the Bears in the Bears side, the interior of the offensive line has some talent, but 
Uh, you know, Taylor Moten totally agree. Uh, he's been he's been very very solid at left uh, right tackle for the most part. They're moving him over to the left side sometimes, but I think he looks a little bit more natural on that right side, and I think he's really playing himself up. You know, into being a potentially a, a day two pick, or you know, even scratching a little bit higher, and especially compared to some of the other tackles down here, uh, Adam Biznawate, or I think it's actually pronounced Biznawate, is a the W is a V there for him, but the, the Pittsburgh kid, he not not doing so well on the edge, and he even mm-hmm. he spent some time snapping the ball to to get some work under center too. So they're they're kind of moving him around in the inside and center, trying to find a place where he'll fit because. You know, he's too much of a bender on the outside that doesn't really kind of plays up a little bit and is a little bit off balance and can't really sink very well to, to anchor. And I, I, I just uh, anchor when he's when he's in more of a kick slide. He can't he can't get low enough. And I, I just don't think his future is going to be on that outside. But uh, Julian Davenport from Bucknell, I've been impressed with his feet in particular. I think he moves pretty well for a guy who's six six three ten. And I, I don't know if he's you know, he's not a guy you draft and start at left tackle week one, but. He's a guy you take on day three and, and kind of develop him a little bit. And I think down the line, sort of in that David Bakhtiari mold there, I mean, not necessarily in skill set, but in that, you know, you draft him in the fourth or the mm-hmm. fifth and let him sit a couple years, and, and eventually you have yourself a nice little left tackle. But uh, And then the, the other guy is Zach Banner from USC. He's a big 6'8", 361-pound guy. Uh, his feet are very heavy, and he he looks like he belongs at guard, but he's six foot eight, three 361, and I don't know if – if he can get low enough on the interior to be able to play that, I, don't, I really don't know what his NFL future is going to hold because he's just a—he's bigger than everybody else, but he just does not move very well at all. That says right tackle only. This kid Julian Davenport—he went to school to play basketball. Recognized that he at six seven wasn't going to go to the NBA. You know, um, now he's moving over. He's at the Senior Bowl. I know you like him in fourth, fifth round, but can you see him improving with the NFL coaching throughout the week? He's got good feet. I know there's a little bit of a buzz about him. I'm trying to find it. I know 36-inch arms. You can't teach that kind of length. And if you put technique together for this young man, he can be somebody you could talk about playing that left tackle position because, as you said, he's athletic enough. Yeah, for sure. He's a guy that all he needs to do is be put on an NFL coaching staff that, that has a competent offensive line coach, which is definitely more easily said than done. I think there's a misconception that every time a coach is on an NFL team, that means he's good at his job, and that's just not the case in the NFL. And <laughs> that's been more than apparent from talking to guys down here that – have some strong opinions about other coaching staffs. But anyway, uh, Davenport, I mean, the, you can't really coach length, size, feet, and, and, and he's got all that. You know, he's kind of, kind of like in that Kyle Long mold where you, you like his athleticism, you like what his physical traits, and all he needs to do is be sat down and, and kind of run through that. And, and even there, I don't know if he's necessarily, you know, he's not like technically poor. I wouldn't I mean, he's definitely not great, but it's not like he's – He's just a mess that needs to be cleaned up. I mean, he, he physical traits, and there's there's a lot to like with the way he's able to sort of transfer his weight when he gets into his kick slide. He doesn't really overset one way or another. I mean, certainly there are times when he makes mistakes, but I, there's definitely a lot to like this kid, and I may, maybe I sold him a little bit short, saying fourth or fifth round. He's definitely a guy that if the right team falls in love and he continues to play well down this week, he can definitely sneak up into that third round, second round com- conversation because – you know, there's a lot of talk that this offensive tackle class isn't all that deep, and he's definitely a, a guy that could be a riser out of the small school. I got to talk to you about flipping it over, to flipping the script over to the other side of the football now. There's so many needs on this roster. 
vibes out there. But one guy that really stands out for me when I look at the Bears and how they got to get to the quarterback is this kid, Hassan Reddick. And you know how I feel about Temple football players. Talk about what he's showing out there because he's someone I really put a circle around that has shown the kind of toughness and intensity that you're looking for. They have him listed at inside linebacker, but I just see this guy playing that outside linebacker position and getting home to the quarterback because he has that aggressive intensity. Talk about him. Yeah, you know, and I, I do want to remind our listeners that didn't catch it at the beginning of the show that I am uh, broadcasting this from the first floor of the uh, Renaissance Riverview Hotel in Mobile, Alabama. So that's why there's uh, a bit more background noise than you might catch as usual, but hopefully it's uh, not too much of a distraction and, and the live analysis makes up for it a little bit, I think. But uh, specifically with Hassan Riddick, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, but as we were leaving practice today, or as the North practice was wrapping up, I, I was walking by a few Saints guys, and actually they were a few Saints guys that Ryan Pace had spent some time talking to earlier in the day, so you never know how much this opinion might have traveled, but uh, they were absolutely impressed with what a guy like Hassan Riddick had been able to do today. You know, they, they do list him at the inside, but he did a lot of edge rushing in those in those one-on-one drills, and I, and I think they see him as a guy that they can kind of do a little bit of both. They can move him around, but... He did measure it. He did weigh in a little bit small. He's at 6'1", mm-hmm. 237, and, uh, you know, 32 and an eighth inch arm isn't, you know, isn't length for a pass rusher. So I, I think, you know, I, I struggle a little bit with where exactly to play him because, you know, some teams are going to say he's just too small to be an edge defender in our defense. Other other teams are going to have him step up and, and perfect, you know, this they'll like the talent more than the measurables and they'll try and make it work, but... I, that, that makes it hard to kind of pin down exactly where he's going to go and what he's going to be able to do because it's going to matter so much about the situation for him. But there's definitely plenty of traits to like, like you said there. I mean, he's, he's just a smart, physical football player. And, you know, it's something about those Temple kids. I don't, I don't know what it is, but you're right about them. They always seem to, you know, even their offensive lineman, Deion Dawkins, <laughs> he's, he's, been playing out, he's been playing well down here too. And they're, they're, they're just a well-coached college yeah, football team. they put uh, Dawkins inside, I saw, to guard which is interesting. Let's stay there in the defensive line, defensive edge stuff. You know, just looking at my notes here, just to get a, a kind of opinion on with you, especially on the piggybacking on uh, Reddick. When you, I, I feel Reddick is a football player. I, I've heard a lot of verbiage from. Ryan Pace about finding football players and John Fox echoing that. They've kind of been in a chorus with that. However, we've seen them draft guys that wreak athleticism and potential. Whereas, you know, a guy like um, Pernell McPhee is the kind of edge, attitude, angry football player that we're looking at. that we want to see and same with Willie Young you know when I look at that that's what Hassan Reddick says to me as well as the next guy I want to talk to you about there's three guys I circled in this category well technically four or five because of Reddick Wormley are two of the other ones on defense is Anderson Jalel Johnson and Montavious Adams talk about those guys those three guys I feel like are going to Anderson will start with for me 
I just feel like this is a football player who has plays with an edge, who gets downgraded because he's not going to run the fastest 40 time. But however, on Sundays, he's going to beat the crap out of a right tackle, and he's going to get home, and he's going to roll like a ball of butcher knives to the quarterback. And that's the kind of attitude this defense needs and lacks talk about those guys and Jalel Johnson I think can play the five he can play the three he can come in and rush the passer I think the world of that kid's effort and energy and then Montavious Adams has been a surprise to me because for me the tape was different but when I'm watching him here the all-out effort maybe in front of the scouts you know those kind of interviews and meetings are going to be important but for me Montavious Adams has really stood out to me. Yeah, you know, Adams in particular, I've heard a lot of good things about him off the field. I talked to a guy down here who knows the the main media guy over at Auburn, and they said Montrevis Adams is the most clean off-the-field guy probably down here. He said he's the nicest guy on the team. You know, no one's ever had anything bad to say about him. I think he he might have been a guy that graduated early, too, and, and really put a lot of emphasis on... on you know, getting the academic stuff out of the way and, and really taking care of himself and making sure he stays out of trouble and really being a great teammate to everybody else. And down here, you're kind of seeing that, that effort like you talked about. I mean, he is just a guy that refuses to give up. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, when they're getting in one-on-one drills, you know, if they don't win off the snap and they kind of get frustrated and, and kind of caught up underneath the offensive lineman's pads, they, they don't they don't really finish. But a guy like Montrevis Adams, he just never quits. You know, he gets, you know, he starts to go outside and the guy kind of gets underneath him and he'll just try and throw him aside and get to the inside. And if mm-hmm. that doesn't work, goes back outside, keeps, I mean, he just keeps fighting until the coaches tell him to stop. And, I, and that's really what you want to see from these guys. You know, you're not necessarily going to see something new that these guys didn't show on tape, but you're more trying to see how they react, how they handle these situations that they're put in. And that's exactly what you're going to want a guy like him to do. You see a lot of the same kind of thing with the other guy, Jaleel Johnson. I mean, he he was having himself a nice day yesterday, and he followed that up again today. He He's just kind of smarter than everybody else, it feels like. I mean, the lineman he goes against, he just knows. He, he always seems to be, like, one step ahead of them. You know, he'll get, in the, he'll get under their pads and then pull him, you know, pull him around and, and get to the inside. And, you know, next set he knows that the guy's going to set up a little bit inside. So he'll just burst a little bit to the outside and rip underneath his arms and get to the quarterback. And it just kind of seems like they, everyone is left guessing at what he's going to do because he, he just seems to have – uh, another step ahead of everybody else and then uh Ryan Anderson the third guy you mentioned disappointed to see the thumb injury i think it's you know it's limiting him a little bit as a pass rusher but i thought he looked pretty reliable in coverage today which was good to see i mean he's a guy that i think does a little bit of everything really well like you said he's not going to burn anybody in the 40 you know he's not going to measure and test well at the combine but he's just so smart and so solid as an all-around player and I, I think the same thing can go for a guy like Vince Beagle from Wisconsin on the other side of the ball. Beagle's not, I don't think Beagle's as, as smooth in coverage as Ryan Anderson has been. I, that's been the, the real surprise for me down here. But mm-hmm. Beagle's not the biggest or the strongest guy, but he's a, 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 just a reliable pass rusher, reliable against the run, really good at you know understanding his leverage, understanding his assignment, and doing exactly what they're asking him to do. And you know he's not going to go out and make you know 25 splash plays a game but he's just going to do his job every snap and and you can't say that about everybody that's down here no you can't and i got a text from somebody who reminded me and i kind of shot myself so we're going to stay in the bears needs lauren with this i'm going to flip back to the offensive side of the football because i think one of the positions and and thank you because you really check check checking all the 
of what I'm writing and what I'm seeing down. You're there live. There's no better way to see it than to be live. I don't care what anyone says. So I appreciate your eye. Again, if you're not following Lauren Cox on Twitter at Cox Sports One, you're missing out. I really respect what this kid does. And he's my partner and one of my best friends. And I believe in what you see, Lauren. I'm glad because we really have not talked. So it's good to see that we're kind of even up here. And when we look at this Bears roster, we going back to the offensive side of the football, huge need is tight end. And probably the best football player at in the senior bowl, I believe, will go and be drafted the highest, obviously, is O.J. Howard. And you look at these tight ends there, and I'm kind of excited about it. I was a huge fan of Sprinkle until he went to Belk and decided to shoplift or whatever, and I just felt like that was a, a red flag. Again, kids are allowed to make mistakes, Phil. So how are these tight ends performing? How is Sprinkle doing? One guy that I circled that has been a huge surprise for me as a sleeper, and I wanted to save this for the end, but since we're talking tight ends, is this kid, uh, Michael Roberts of Toledo, just looks the part, somehow gets open a lot, and catches the football with huge hands, Lauren. So talk about the tight end position. Obviously, O.J. Howard, I believe, is going to be end up being in the top 15 picks in the draft. That's how talented I believe this kid is. Watching him go again, it looks like a receiver dominating uh, defensive backs, corners, and everyone he could take to the house at any given moment. What are you seeing out there as far as the tight end position? O.J. Howard had probably the best day of anybody yesterday, you know, pretty much catching everything. I think the first ball he threw, was thrown him was, you know, a bit out in front, but he reached out with one hand and just snagged it out of the air like it was no one's business. But uh, definitely disappointing today, I think. He had a little bit of trouble with his release and, and getting off the line of scrimmage, and, and once once that happens on a play, he doesn't he, – he's almost a little bit slower than I thought he would be. And, I mean, at, at six five and a half. 250 pounds you know you can't you're not going to ask the guy to run a 4-3 or anything but he does just doesn't quite seem to have the the same I don't, I don't know I guess I, I was expecting a little bit more explosiveness but I think I think I'm definitely nitpicking a little bit there to do to today and he, he dropped a few passes today too that kind of kind of soured it a little bit but you know definitely still I mean, he's a first round talent I'm not trying to take any of that away from him but like even we talked to him last night and you know, uh, Brian Prez asked him, you know, what, what do you expect to, or what are you, what are you aiming to run for in the 40-yard dash? And he said four, five, six. And, I, you know, I wanted to see a, a four, five, you know, a lower four, five guy. And, you know, if he says, I think he actually said four, five, eight, but if he says he's trying to hit a four, five, eight, that means right now he's running in the four, sevens, upper four, sixes. And I, I just wish he was like a, a, just a tad bit more explosive, but I mean, that's that's really nitpicking the guy, and I think that the the level of nitpicking on that explosiveness would be the difference to me between a top ten pick and a top twenty pick or a top fifteen pick. I think if if he's a guy that can come out and and really explode, you know, he flies into the top ten like an Eric Ebron did a couple of years ago. But you know, if he kind of continues to look as he is, that that's a top twenty guy for me. He's he's I mean, he's still an elite pass catcher and a, a darn elite run blocker, probably the best run blocker of anybody here. But you know. He, he, He's not. He maybe isn't the the dynamic game changing athlete. There are a couple times when 
you know, a guy like Obi Melifanu, the six foot four safety out of Connecticut. I know you're a big fan of him, and we'll get to the secondary in a little bit here. He was able to keep up with him pretty well, and I was hoping to see Howard show the ability to pull away a little bit from yeah. them. And you know, it's, it's only when Howard gets real physical with the guys that he's able to to create more of that separation. But uh, uh, mo- moving on, to some of the other tight ends, uh, Mike Roberts from Toledo. I thought he's had a pretty decent time down here, but I heard from uh, I believe it was a Minnesota Vikings coach that he is a moron. And just, I mean, when you talk to the guy, he just does not seem like it's all there up up top. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's too bad because wow. he's a very talented guy. And, and I, it's hard to say how much that's oh, going to affect his draft stock. I mean, if the guy, I mean, the guy plays really well on tape and he's not, he's not struggling out here at practice. He may be a guy that's football smart, but, but uh, street stupid, kind of like Jeremy Sprinkle, it sounds like, with the way that, uh, with what happened with the Belk Bowl. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I tweeted out earlier today. I was driving back from the practice field stadium down to my hotel, and I, I passed right by a Belk store. And I, th- I thought, oh, I tweeted out, I was like, there's a Belk store less than a mile away from the practice stadium. No one tell Jeremy Springer because <laughs> he's going to go in there and get some more clothes. But he's another guy, too, physically imposing guy, uh, you know, <laughs> more explosive than you'd think, too, can kind of do everything. And, you know, you wonder about the off the field and how that's going to affect him because on tape, he, he, he can be the, that kind of game-changing talent. He's not quite to O.J. Howard's level, but – you like the physical tools from the tight ends on both rosters here. And even Jonu Smith from Florida National and, and, you know, Mike Roberts too, they're all kind of these bigger, well, not as much Jonu Smith, but Smith is, is quick and explosive too. I, I like the way he's able to get downfield and attack the ball in the air. But you, you got a lot of these sort of new age, bigger, hybrid, huge, but also fast tight ends that can be a little bit everything in your offense. And I, you have to feel like the Bears are going to come away with one of these guys if they really evaluate tight end as a big position of need. Well, to your point, Lauren, I want to make sure people that are listening in, uh, book smarts, intellect, you know, a, a lot of fans just think uh, you go in there, they play football, they know, they got to know their But football is one of the most intellectual sports. Uh, you're teaching techniques, playbooks that are – three to 400 pages and and offer uh, counter plays to coverage. So they need to understand fronts, coverages. So that tight end position is one where you see a lot of transfers from quarterback to tight end because of the intellectual aspect of it. So when Lauren jokes about that, coaches are getting a handle on these guys and it's invaluable to be able to sit down because Draft Twitter is full of a lot of former chess captains. You know, they were captains of their chess team. Shout out to Jose Cotto for that. And, it, and it's true. If you haven't played the game and you're not willing to listen, you just know what you know because you see it or someone told you it. You don't understand. And, it, and it's not about arrogance. It's about reality. And reality is that it takes more than just physical toughness and mental toughness to play this game and and to lauren's point if coaches are getting a handle on mike roberts intellectual capacity then his inability to grasp nfl playbooks would hinder him from getting on the football field because as chicago bears and fans know you saw it last year with kevin white and jay cutler getting frustrated with the young man because he doesn't know his playbook didn't know the route concept based on coverage and it's making the team suffer and ultimately the quarterback gets criticized for that so the whole domino effect so it's a great point there lauren 
I just wanted to make sure we got that little caveat in there, not to take away from you, but one guy you didn't mention who I have written down as someone is just a move weapon, Lauren, and, and it's Evan Ingram out of Old Miss. I've talked about this kid for two two and a half years. I, I'm just big fan of Chad Kelly, as you know, and there's you're just seeing Evan Ingram in that offense with a quarterback that's capable to hit that deep post route, that deep flag pattern, those out routes. Evan Ingram seems to be having himself a dandy of a week as well. I know he's not. 6'5", 256 pounds, but he is getting on top of defensive backs uh, at 236 pounds. We're seeing the Bears kind of have a a load of those types of players, but I think this guy is a game changer at the position. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, you know, there were a couple times where I, I wasn't even sure I saw, oh, I saw, you know, 17 fly downfield and grab a ball. And I was like, oh, is that a receiver? I had to pull up my roster. And said, no, that's the tight end out of Mississippi, Evan Ingram, because he is only 6'3", 236. I mean, that's certainly bigger than any of the wide receivers here. But, you know, he does kind of look like just like a little bit of a of a bigger wideout out there. But the one thing I'm concerned about with him is his ability to block. I mean, obviously, just physically, he doesn't look like he, he does a very good job of it on tape, too. There were some times where I thought he'd struggle a little bit in pass pro and, and in the run. And, I haven't gotten a great feel for that down here. I haven't watched a ton of, you know, when the tight ends go to block. I, I, you know, I watched the offensive line mostly, offensive and defensive line mostly yesterday, and then today I did all the receivers and defensive mm-hmm. backs. So I, I got a feel for how these tight ends can catch the ball, but I haven't been able to see how they're handling blocking down here. But from, from the little bit I've seen of him on tape, that's an area where he struggles a little bit. But, you know, like you said, running routes downfield here, down here, he looks like a, a big, fast receiver that's lining up a tight end, and certainly that's that's got a place in the NFL, especially nowadays when you get you know guys in that Aaron Hernandez type role that you're not going to ask to sit in you know 22 personnel and, and pound the rock with this guy on the field, but you are going to find ways to get him lined up against a linebacker or uh, maybe an undersized safety and take advantage of the way he's able to run routes down the field. <laughs> if Lasique and Josh Bellamy can find a roster spot, oh yeah, I think. Evan Ingram could be an absolute stud for the Bears, you know what I'm saying? Because you could use him in the backfield. You went exactly where I was going, which showcases why I praise this young man in, unfortunately, uh, what's his name from the Patriots, the prisoner. The murderer. Oh, my God. You just said his name. Why did you just escape me? Aaron Hernandez is the exact, exact comparison that I have for Evan Ingram. That kind of versatility at the tight end, move back. You saw it with uh, my boy out of the uh, from Harvard, Kyle Juszczyk. His ability to get down the football field is special. This kid, I believe, in comparing those two, being that kind of move, line up in the backfield with a Jordan Howard, not afraid to stick his face into a linebacker. Then all of a sudden you're going action game over the top with this kind of player that can threaten safeties in those seams. Evan Ingram is somebody I think Bears fans need to keep an eye on. I I believe that's a game breaker at that position, that size and, and that ability. Now, Lauren, thanks for dropping into the tight end now let's go to where another huge need maybe arguably 
the defensive backfield could be the biggest need, but when you look at the quarterback position, that always outweighs everything. And talk about these defensive backs. You know, guys I have circled, Lauren, obviously you know I'm a big Desmond King fan. I think King is something special because of versatility to play the corner as well as go in and move and play free safety. He's just a ball hawk who is not afraid to return kicks, punts, go after the football in the air. The Bears don't have a lot of them. Uh, His partner in crime, and it was a great story on the NFL Network. I don't know if you got to hear it or know it, but apparently Lewis from Michigan and King grew up in the same area, went to the same uh, Pal League football and competed against one another in Detroit and then ended up going their separate ways in the Big Ten. It's a really good story. Those two guys, to me, offer versatility, toughness, and great play in the defensive backfield. And one of my favorite guys, well, there's two guys that I really feel like uh, Casey from San Diego State, to me, is Asante Samuel. going to stand there. He's going to play off-band, and he's going to just challenge dudes and challenge the football in the air and make turnovers, something the Bears lack. You know, the Bears play a lot of cover three, cover one, and I think this guy could fit that as well as play that nickel position and be something in the competition there. I think 17 interceptions in college speaks for itself. I don't care what division you're playing or, or, or conference you're playing in. Guys that can turn over the football like that are impressive. And then Tredavious White out of LSU, I, I'm talking smooth, really strong ability to play that cornerback position. Talk about the cornerbacks there and what you're seeing. Those guys, to me, really stood out and look the part and when the bears look at their secondary i mean it was bad uh callahan can't stay healthy even though you see glimpses of him cravon leblanc is better than what is being advertised and and i think he has a future with the bears with a year under his belt in training camp and, and, and what is expected of an undrafted free agent and then you got Tracy Porter, who's older and just really was a letdown. Talk about these corners there that you're seeing. We're, we're down to just under eight minutes left in our show, so I'm going to lump in the safeties here, and then we can kind of wrap it up after this. But, um, yeah, I really like a lot of what I've seen from Desmond King down here. Yeah, it's kind of just confirming what you see on tape. Like he he's gotten burned deep a couple of times. If he doesn't do, if he doesn't get his hands on the guy and he's he's up and press, you know he can get beat to the outside and it doesn't quite have the recovery speed necessarily. But at the same time, there's been a couple of reps where you know he can just get a good hand in the guy's chest off the release and he's able to stay right with him down the field and kind of just get away with the amount of contact that he's able to get away with. You know he doesn't, he doesn't. I don't think he's gotten flagged or today was the first day with refs when he didn't get flagged a single time that I saw. And he does a decent job. I don't I don't think he's limited. To you know, to just being a safety or to just being cover two corner. I think if you're a team that runs the cover three and just have him do bail technique rather than trying to press the guy and, and kind of jam him up the field, I think you can put him in a lot of different situations. And a guy like Jordan Lewis too. I, I wonder. 
you know how much teams are going to want him in the slot just because of his ability to to get up to the line of scrimmage and press especially a team like the bears where they do like to have their their slot guy be right up there and you know he's only 510 188 which isn't too small to play outside but at the same time you know he was the primary nickel guy down here i mean he he'd start out on the outside in in base defense and then when they brought in that fifth defensive back he would go inside and, and Brandon Langley from Lamar would come out and be the outside guy there and I, I thought Lewis, Lewis did a great job there. I mean, he's a guy that just dominates at the stem for the most part. I mean, he'll jam you to the line of scrimmage and then jam you again off your route and just make sure that you can't separate. And even when he was going up against bigger wide receivers, I think he and Jamari Staples kept going up against each other. And Staples is 6'3", 190. And, I mean, even on a slant route where it's press coverage where you want a guy like Staples to be the bigger, stronger guy, Lewis stays right in the hip bucket and dives around him and gets a handout and swats the ball away. And you're just really impressed with what that kid can do. And, you know, he's another guy. I think he's got some scheme versatility, but I love seeing him just kind of matched up one-on-one and just follow the guy around the field. Um, I didn't get a, a ton of feel for your guy, DeMonte Kazee, or KZ, however you want to pronounce him. I I, I was impressed with the, with his physicality on a few of the snaps, but I, honestly I didn't. I, I can't say much about him overall. From I just didn't see a lot of his reps in particular. But uh, Tredavious White was definitely physical, definitely uh that stood out on a couple of his reps, the way he was able to sort of get into the chest plates of the guy he was going against. So some of those throws, some of those plays where you know a guy like Dobbs will put it in the perfect position, and there's nothing, nothing a guy like White can do. But he he was able to pretty much stay with every receiver he went against, and and really I I thought stood out as one of the better corners on his team. Although I liked what Corn Elder did for them too. He kind of did the similar thing as Lewis, where he started out outside in base defense, but when they went to that the, the nickel packages, he'd go to the inside, and I thought he looked really smooth in the slot. He's just a a really smooth corner, and then uh, to drop back to the safeties because I know we got asked about this uh, on Twitter too. Someone asked if there's a safety, I'd take it three, and I, I think I'm ready to put Jamal Adams from LSU in that conversation. I don't know if I'm ready to take him today, but I'm, I'm ready to have him in the conversation. But he's obviously not down here at the Senior Bowl. Um, but the, of the safeties that were down here, uh, Obi Melifanwu from Connecticut. I mentioned him earlier in the show. I know he's one of your boys, six four, two nineteen. Obviously, the the physical attributes is what what jumps off the page, and I think. Every person on draft My Twitter boy. claims that he's their sleeper filled. I know, I know that's not you two, but um, a lot, a lot of those guys on Twitter are saying it's it's everybody's boy. Obi Melifanu <laughs> is is everybody's boy, and then, and that's fine because he is. I mean, there's a lot to like about him, and, and certainly I don't have don't really have anything negative to say about what he did today. Didn't you know? He did, you know they they had him line up in a lot of you know man coverage right up on the line of scrimmage type things and in those one-on-one drills and I, he was good but not great you know didn't didn't get burned but didn't make any big plays I, I liked a lot of uh, to jump back to the corners real quick Razul Douglas from West Virginia I thought he was very very smooth his feet are very quick on the outside and I really liked he was able to do in coverage I, I was a little bit disappointed big kid. Big with, kid. with the Texas A&M safety Justin Evans some people were talking him up from what he did today but there were a couple times where I felt like he had a bad uh, uh, struggled with I was just gonna ask you about him where you know the the receiver like they threw a post route it was cover one and, and he kind of came over and he seemed to have no idea that the ball had been thrown his way and it ended up going over his head as he was trying to meet the corner at the receiver but you know I, I want the guy to to look to the ball and grab it and I thought uh, on tape at Texas A and M he was much more adept at that but I, I get the impression that he's still kind of learning and still kind of thinking out there not able to just react and go he kind of has to pause think and and, and then kind of go from there and. Same kind of thing with Nate Jerry from Nebraska. I was a little bit disappointed with him, too. It doesn't seem like he's all that mentally comfortable just yet out there, but I think he's got a lot of potential, and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how he bounces back. Uh, and one last guy I'll mention here, 
before we wrap up because our time is running out, uh, Arian Penton, the corner from Missouri, real small guy, 5'9", 177. Uh, he looked far and away like the worst cornerback out on the field today. He got whooped around. Right. I mean, he's a, he's a small guy, but he was going up against Trent Taylor from Louisiana Tech, who is pr- pretty much the same build as him, actually 5'7 and a half and a, about the same weight weighed in. And the, the little receiver was able to just bully him physically off the line of scrimmage, which was really not something you want to see. He looked lost. He looked he, he never seemed to quite know exactly what he was supposed to do, and I've been really disappointed with what he did today. But there's definitely some playmakers on this in this Bears secondary down here. Desmond King, to me, is a first-round pick. Uh, Obi Melifanwu, he might play himself up into that first round, although there's so many good safeties in this draft that I think he ends up falling a little bit, and he's a guy that you can get in the second or third round and, and feel really good about it. But uh, you definitely like what the Bears have been able to get a first-hand experience with with these guys, and it, it's been a lot of fun for me to be able to be down here and, and see these guys firsthand too. You know, like I, I mentioned earlier, me and Brian Perez, we were sitting – four rows behind Ryan Pace, watching him and Mickey Loonis trying to catch up from uh, from the New Orleans Saints time where they where they spent together and, you know, even picked up a thing or two that I, I, I don't think I can mention on air. I'll talk to you a little bit about that privately, Phil, but uh, we, we are winding down to our last minute of the show, so I'm going to have to wrap that up here from Senior Bowl. I want to apologize one more time again for the, the background noise, a little bit of a hum from the I'm just in the hallway in the first floor of the Riverview Renaissance Hotel where all the Senior Bowl meetings and stuff are taking place. So uh, I'm, I'm literally sitting on the ground hunched over my microphone with my computer plugged into the wall and uh, answered what a lot of people were wondering about the roster that the Bears are coaching and the, the way that they've got this practice running. Uh, we, we might try and do one more episode of Bears Hour live down here uh, later in the week, but uh, no guarantees on that. Uh, we'll keep you posted on Twitter for exactly how the schedule is going to play out. But uh, if you don't know, I drove down here about a thousand miles from Madison, Wisconsin. So I've got I've got a long way to go to to get back home. But that's going to have to do it for us. Uh, this is Lauren Cox from Mobile, Alabama, along with Phil Atoshin. He's at Fulfill O on Twitter. I'm at Cox Sports One on Twitter. And thank you for listening to this edition of Bears Hour Live. <laughs>